0: Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So, if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystorynewbeginningsnj.org. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Even though we are flawed, we can still pursue healthy relationships with those closest to us. In fact, God expects, expects us to foster godly relationships. And here's the reason why. Because God is glorified whenever one or more individuals come together. When you come together with somebody else and maybe in a, in a friendship, in a marriage relationship, in a dating relationship, in a work relationship, in a church relationship, and you actually learn how to get along together, God is glorified in that. Amen? Amen? So that's what we're going to be finding out about. So I want to start off with the scripture, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. Says this, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. And above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Amen. How many of you know that it's that sin nature that tries to cling to us that can destroy relationships sometimes? Amen. So, what the Holy Spirit is saying through this scripture here is that no matter how tough things get, hold on. those relationships with one another work through the mess and how many of you know it's work okay one or two people on the front row decided it was how many of you know it is work relationships are work turn to somebody say it's work work. now turn to somebody else and say but it's worth the work amen so when you work through all that mess and you treat each other the way that god treats us the way that Jesus desires for us to treat one another, that glorifies the Father in heaven. Amen? In the book of Genesis, I want you to stick with me because I'm going to read a bunch of scripture here. Because everything in our life, everything that we present as truth, everything that we present as a basic fundamental cornerstone of our lives has got to be found in the word of God. Otherwise, we're just floundering. We're just just living by our own opinions and by, by somebody else's Ideas of how a relationship should work. But I want you to stick with me. In the book of Genesis, I'm going to read through a lot of scripture because I want to make a very important point. In the book of Genesis, we find a series of observations by God, our Creator. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light that it was good. He saw the light that it was what? Good. Let's skip down to verse 9. Then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called the seas. And God saw that it was what? Good. good. Verse 11. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. Verse 12, and the earth brought brought forth grass and herb that yields seed according to its own kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its own kind. And God saw that it was Good. good. Verse 16, are you seeing the pattern here? Verse 16. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And he made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was what? Good. So was the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Verse 21. So God created the sea creatures and every living thing that moves with, with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. Good. Verse 25. You're catching this, right? God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. Good. Verse 27. So God created man in in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Verse 31 says, Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was what? Very good. Very good. At the end of each of the six days of creation, God declared his work to be good. And then a final at the end, very good. Now, in Genesis chapter two, we've got an interesting turn of events. Verse seven, and the Lord God formed a man of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. And if we were reading this in Hebrew, in the original language, it says it this way, and then man became a speaking spirit, different from the rest of creation. When God breathed life into him, he breathed his own spirit, his own nature into Adam's body. He was alive, but he was not a speaking spirit on the same level as God until God breathed into him. He, above all the rest of creation, had the ability to speak and communicate with God as an equal. In verse 18, now, look at this turn of events now. Everything's good, 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 good. And then verse 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And here we have in the first time in the history of mankind that God observed that something was not good and it involved relationship. One Christian author put it this way. The first problem in the world was not sin, but solitude. We were not made to live by ourselves. We were not created to live in isolation. It just doesn't work for us. So what's the solution? The solution appears in verse 21 of chapter 2. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he, God, made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Relationships are extremely valuable to our spiritual maturity. God knows this. God knew no matter how great creation was, no matter how perfect this man looked, it was not good for him to be alone. It's not good, and it is not good for us to go through life alone. Relationships are very close to the heart of God, and there's a reason for it. Relationships are God's way of bringing us to a level of spiritual maturity that we have not attained up until that point because they are the proving ground of our love walk. Do you realize when you're by yourself and you're alone, you're home, maybe you've got the house to yourself one day, You notice how you don't have any conflict with anybody? (laughs) It's easy. Do what you want. Eat what you want. Watch what you want. If you don't feel like putting the the dishes in the dishwasher, you leave them in the sink. And then you tell, you know, well, I'm letting them soak because they're so... (laughs) You do what you want. There's only one problem. There's no life being shared. There's no, there's no interaction. There's no opportunities to overcome conflict, strife. That's why we need each other. What are you saying we need each other to cause strife? We need each other to give an opportunity for us to have somebody to, uh, I, I don't know how else to put this, and I'm not trying to read into this. We need somebody else to rub up against us so that we know, okay, I can learn how to get along with this person, even though, they're quirky, even though they don't do things the right way like I do. <laughs> but through God's help and by his grace, come on, you know what I'm talking about. We can learn how to get along. Know, yeah, we can learn how not just get along and to just endure each other. We can get to the place where we' actually look forward to being around each other. Amen? Amen. So relationship is God's idea. He said, it's not good. This isn't good. Trees good, stars good, animals good, fish good, birds pretty, flowers pretty. Man, good. But it's not good for him to be alone. He believed in this concept and believes in this concept of relationship so much that he willingly sent his only begotten son to earth, sacrificed Jesus' life on the cross so that the blood of Jesus could make a way and a path for you and I to come back into relationship with him primarily. And you're going to hear a lot about this. You're going to hear a lot about this over these next three weeks. Because until our relationship with the Father is intact, until our relationship with the Father is back in the way it was supposed to be in the beginning of creation, you and I are useless to one another. I, I never expect to get a cheer, a yeah. But the fact of the matter is, until you and I are in solid with God the Father, our Creator, until we are in the position to allow him to deal with us, to deal with the issues in our lives, to deal with the hurts, the wounds, the offenses of the past, the disappointments, until we are in position to let him deal with that we would be better off to stay on our own because you and I are going to do damage to somebody until that relationship is restored. And even once it's restored, we still need to be in constant relationship with the father, in constant communication with the father, in in a place of constant, listen, 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 in a place of constant honesty and transparency, transparency with the father so that he could say, uh, Joe, you, you know, you did good today, but you know what? That thing, this thing, what you said, what you did, that thought, we got to work on that, buddy. Why? Why? It, it's not even so much for our relationship with him because Our relationship with him is based on the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not based on your conduct or my conduct. It's based on what Jesus did. However, the effect that we're going to have with one another and on one another is going to be based on how much you and I are willing to let God get in our face, correct some things, point out some things, shed the light on some things. Until we allow him to do that, we're, 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 not, we're not in a good place to have relationships with people. You know, there's many times, uh, you know, I've seen people, and I'm not judging anybody, just observing some stuff, and people pull some stuff, and I say to them, oh, my God, I hope they don't tell anybody where they go to church. <laughs> we affect each other. We're always affecting each other. We're always either inspiring one another to come up higher, to be more Christ-like, or we are damaging each other, pushing people away, causing them not to want to be around us. And when people don't want to be around us, they can't hear that once in a while when we actually say something, They can't experience the goodness of God that comes out of us once in a while if they just don't want to be around us. So, let's start at some very beginning basic fundamentals here. When Adam and Eve fell into sin, they basically committed treason against God. They broke, listen, they broke relationship with him. We all have this thing, you know, yeah, they, they turned on God, they listened to the snake, they entertained his lies, uh, and they got different ideas about God, and that's fine, but, but the ideas and the lies that they received from the enemy caused them to break relationship with their creator. That's serious. That's dangerous. And ever since that day, if you take away all the religiosity out of the Bible out of your way of looking at Christianity. If you take away all the stained glass windows, take away all the hymns, take away all the trappings, the candles, the, you take away everything. Bottom line, the story of the Bible is this, that God has been doing everything from that moment to repair the damage that that relationship suffered. That's why Jesus came to this earth. That's why God has been revealing his love to us. That's why God has been trying to remove every obstacle out of the way. That's stopping you from coming back into relationship with him. When Adam fell, listen to me, you need to hear this very, very clearly. When Adam fell, it affected more than just the relationship between him and God. Three relationships, three types or three facets, three categories of relationship were affected. Number one, obviously, the relationship between man and God was affected. There was a break there. It's never going to be the same. Number two, the relationship with man and himself changed. Changed. If you've been attending New Beginnings for any length of time, you will have heard me say this over and over again. The very first thing that Adam experienced when he fell into sin was fear fear. Adam, where are you? I hid myself because I was afraid. Afraid, fear. So, so his, per, his perception of himself changed. He had started to experience intimidation. He started to experience insecurities. He started to experience just basic raw fear. When you go to hide yourself, it's, it's because you're experiencing a level of fear that's paralyzing. Had never experienced this before. And number three, the relationship between man and anybody else on the earth, in this case, man and woman, suffered. The relationship we see the next generation, man against man, suffers. Brother rises up and kills brother. So sin affected everything about how we've been created. We've been created to have relationship, number one, with God. We've been created to have relationship with each other. And we'd be created to have a sense of peace within ourselves. I don't know about you, but I, I I, hate, I cannot thrive, I cannot live, I cannot, I can't really function if there is a real break in my peace on the inside. I don't know how you are, maybe you can go about it, I can't. I'm not a good phony. I don't know how to hide things. Anybody that knows me, you read my face. You know everything that's going on in my life. I've never been one of those types to walk around. (laughs) No, if if I'm going through it, you know it. Everybody knows it. Amen? I thought my family would be the one to jump in there. In other words, sin makes us see God in the wrong light. Makes us see ourselves in the wrong light. And it makes us see others in the wrong light. Because when sin came into this world, blinders, filters came over our eyes, over our mind, over our soul. For you and I, our life now is to be spent repairing, rebuilding those relationships. It's it's not right that only God on his side should be doing all the repairing. Thank God he's the initiator, Amen. Thank God is the initiator. Otherwise, we just keep wandering on our own. We just keep drifting off. But then once you come into that realization, like, oh, God loves me. He really wants to be in relationship with me. He doesn't just want me to come and just, just say a couple of prayers. He wants to live life with me. When you realize that, then you realize you have a responsibility also. Come on, Amen. And it's not even a burden. It's more of like, whoa, this is awesome. I can talk to you, and you're going to answer me. I can, I can ask you questions, and you're going to give me the answers I need. I can let you in my life. I can let you in my struggles. I can come and vent to you. I can come and share my joy with you. I can come and celebrate with you, and you're actually going to participate. That's an awesome thing. That should get us to the point where we'd never want to do anything to harm that relationship. Amen? So... Jesus addresses this issue. And this scripture is the basic foundation piece of this series. Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 35. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him, speaking of Jesus, with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? What is it? We say love. Okay, it is. It starts out with love. Verse 37, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I'm going to be real honest with you. When I, when I started to put this together, I started to research this, and I realized the Holy Spirit was leading me to this scripture, I was like, everybody knows this. This is a no-brainer. This is like just too too basic. This is like too easy. This is like too surfacey. Because, you know, even, even people that don't claim to be Christians will quote this, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. So I was kind of trying to shy away from it, but then I kept feeling, feeling like I was being drawn back. No, read it again. Read it again. And read it again. And all of a sudden, it opened up to me as like, Well, he's telling us that if you don't do these in this order, you're useless. Jesus gave us our instructions. His directive covers three forms or three facets of relationship. Love God more than anything else. Love yourself. Now, watch this now, because I tend to shy away from this idea. Why? Because it's been so blown out of proportion That in our generation today, this idea taken to the extreme has just caused so much selfishness, so much self-centeredness that I was like, nah, do I have to go there? Yeah, because Jesus did. So let me start again. Love God more than anything else. Love yourself sufficiently. Not more than you're supposed to, but not less than you're supposed to. We're going to talk about that and love other people at least as much as you love yourself. It all works together. But when we start out with number one, loving God more than anything else, it forms within us. I like to put it this way. If you could just imagine this, it forms within us the launching pad. If you could picture like a launching pad in your life to do what? To love yourself and to love others. That's the launching pad. The launching pad, the, the basic foundation cannot be just, well, you know, you know I've learned to love myself now. I, you know, I, I know I did a lot of rotten things in the early years of my life, but you know what? I've learned to love myself. Well, that's wonderful. And we're really happy for you. But unless it is grounded and rooted in the love for God more than anything else, you are dangerous. Are you listening to me? So this series, we're going to cover these three parts of godly relationship, these three facets, these three necessities. Number one, loving God. Number two, loving self. Number three, loving others. Number number one, loving God. It's a matter of priority. It's a priority. Jesus said it's the greatest commandment because he sets the foundation, it sets. He, by declaring, love God with all that you have, with all that you are, with everything you could possibly be, he sets the priority, the foundation for all other relationships. Without, let, me, let me just say this to you, okay? I found this out the hard way. Until you come to the place when you can accept yourself, until you come to the place where you can forgive yourself, until you come to the place where you're comfortable in your own skin, even with your flaws, even with, your, even with the past, even with the things that you still can get stuck in once in a while. Anybody ever, any Christian ever gets stuck in anything? Let me see, let me see. I'm gonna do a series in the future, Saved But Stuck. But until you get to the place, you're like, all right, yeah, it doesn't look good, it's not pretty, it gets ugly sometimes, But it is what it is. Until you get to that place, you can't love somebody else. Why? Because you will always project on others the things that you hate about yourself. Has anybody found that out? So, without a relationship with God, we we do not have the ability to love others. I don't care who you are. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for the good. Look at this. Here's the qualifier. Look at the qualifier. And this is some of your favorite scriptures. You love, you know, Pastor know All things are working together for the good. Yeah. Well, let's see who that belongs to. Okay. Are, Are you with me? Are you with me? You don't have to read it with me, but just pay attention, okay? And we know that all things work together for good to who? To those who come on, say it. Come on, come on, say it. To who? To those who love God. To those who are the called according to his purpose. You can't say all things are working together for your good unless you love God. That is the qualifier. The, the, this whole promise here is reliant upon and dependent upon and grounded in, do you love God? Do you love God? Is he first in everything? Do you put him first in everything? If you love God, then you can say, all of these other things might not be going the way I thought they going, but you know what? They're all working together for the good to those who love God. That's a little sobering thing there. Life's, listen to me, look at it this way. Life's issues stabilize when we love God first and foremost. Even the worst problems turn out for good when we love him first. Now, now watch this now. Only in that state are we equipped for healthy relationships. Only when we're in that position, only when we're in that position what that scripture said before. All things that work together for the good even disasters in relationship, mistakes, miscommunications, misunderstandings, they can all work together for the good if, if you have put God first in your life. That is the stabilizing factor. Amen? That's the only state that you can ever have any hope to have a healthy relationship. Did you put him first? Because if you put him first, he'll straighten everything else out. When we ask Jesus to come into our lives, to come into our hearts, the Holy Spirit comes in. Romans chapter 5, verse 5, tells us that the Holy Spirit poured God's love into our hearts. When we are newly saved, it's easy to fall in love with God. Why? Because we are awestruck by the love that he has for us. We, we are just stunned by the sacrifice that Jesus... I don't know about you. I don't know, maybe for you, maybe it might have just happened recently, but I, with me, this thing here... 34 years ago is when I first experienced that kind of love. And it literally, I was awestruck. I never, ever, ever, up until that time in my life, had experienced that kind of love, that kind of forgiveness, that kind of acceptance, that kind of that sense of, you're not in this alone, I'm here with you. I, and it, it literally, literally changed my life overnight. Overnight, awestruck. So when you're in that kind of when you first get born again, it's like you love everybody, you love you don't care who they are, you don't care you don't care how much they put a knife in your back, you don't care what they're taking out of your pocket, you don't care how how, how they might be talking about on your back, you don't care that this. You just love everybody. Why? Because you are still under that. He just loves me. He's forgiven me. He's saved me. I don't have to worry, I don't have to worry about going to hell anymore when you're in that it's just it's just so easy to love other people but when that emotion starts to wear off now that fact never changes here i am 34 years later he loves me just as much as he did then but you know what i find myself having to remind myself more now i find myself having to remind myself more about now about other people's flaws other people's shortcomings course you probably don't have any but are you listening to me this is important stuff you see because only out of what your experience has been with God will you have what it takes to navigate through relationships again like we said earlier relationships are messy they take a lot of work you can get bruised you can get wounded But if you have that steadfast, rock solid, he loves me, I love him, I'm putting him first, and if necessary, I'll eat the garbage I have to eat in that relationship, I'll put up with what I have to put up with, I'll endure what I have to endure, why? Because I'm putting him first. Are you listening to me? Stunned by the sacrifice he made for us on the cross. Like the scripture In Romans chapter 8, said that promise is available to those who love God, to those who pursue God and his righteousness. Are you pursuing God and his righteousness? You know, sometimes we get a chance to talk to some young people that are contemplating marriage or really wanting marriage, really, really wanting a spouse, really, really wanting somebody to spend the rest of their lives with, and you're like, Look, look, don't look at the body. Don't look at the smile. Don't look at the job, the position, the status. Don't look at the car. Is that person spending their life pursuing God? Do they love God more than you? Well, you you know, Pastor, shouldn't I be the center and the focus? No, no, no. God Almighty, Jesus Christ should be the center and the focus of that person's life. Find one that loves God more than you. Amen? Amen. Find those who pursue God, who take seriously the command to love him above all else. Those are the ones whose all things are going to work together for the good. Find somebody that's consumed with knowing God, with studying his word. They, the ones that are eager to study God's word, eager to pray, eager to obey, eager to honor God, in all things, eager to share Jesus Christ with others. It is through these spiritual disciplines that love for God grows and matures to the glory of God. Joyce Meyer, in one of her books, quoted Deuteronomy chapter six, verse five, which says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. See, we thought it was a New Testament thing. Jesus was quoting from the Old Testament. Jesus later repeats this and even labels it the most important commandment of all. I'm going on. This is a quote from her. So how do you express love for God? By telling God, I love you? Singing praises to him? These are good things, but they only scratch the surface. We show God we love him through obedience because actions speak louder than words. It's tough. We won't always like it, but when when we need to obey But I believe our desire for obedience grows as we continue to experience his love, goodness, and faithfulness in our lives. Love God with all you are. Love him above all else. Desire his presence more than anything in life. Listen, church, be diligent to study his word. His word is the changing agent in your life. The agent of transformation in your life is always going to be the word of God. The word of God is a mirror. It shows us up. It shows us where our flaws are. It shows us what needs to be corrected. It shows us how much God loves us. It shows us the ideal that we're supposed to rise up to. But you're never going to be able to do it on your own strength. But it's a matter of desire. I've noticed this in these 34 years of walking with Jesus. The stronger the desire for something, the more I see Jesus by his holy spirit working in my life to bring me to that place of desire. When I talk about the stronger the desire, I'm not talking about the desire for a gigantic house. I'm not talking about the desire for five cars. I'm not to, who wants to take care of that anyway. I'm not talking about the desire for things. I'm talking about the desire to echo what Paul said. Paul, think about this. Paul, who met Jesus, the risen Christ, face to face, saw him, heard him. And yet at one point in his life, he said, I count everything else as rubbish. You know what rubbish is? Garbage. In the original language, it says it's a lot more graphic that I may know him. Is that your desire? Is that the motivation in your life? To know him? To be like him? I think the greatest, the greatest thing we can ever attain, the greatest thing we could ever hear And not a compliment, but let let me put it to you this way. The greatest observation I think we could ever experience from another person is for that person to say, Man, I see Jesus in you. Because until it's, listen, listen, please, until it's less of us and more of Him, we are not qualified for relationships. We're always going to be stumbling, there's always going to be problems. Now, mind you, even in the pursuit and while we're pursuing him, while we're getting to know him, while we're allowing him to work in us, there's still gonna be issues. There's still gonna be mountains to eliminate. There's still gonna be giants to knock down. I'm talking about in relationships. However, When we get to that place where we love God more than anything, when we get to that place where we're willing to always put Him first, you handle the difficulties of relationship differently. It's not about you anymore, it's about the other person. And love your neighbor as yourself. You want to work through the bumps. Not because you just want to have peace in your house, but because you genuinely want Jesus to be glorified and magnified in that relationship. And let me tell you something. With as much selfishness as there is today, as much hatred as there is today amongst people, God is wanting to, by the Holy Spirit, raise up a generation of people who get this, who become experts at relationship. Why? Because they put God first. We put God first, it always shines. It always comes forth. You can't make that up. You can't act like a Christian. It's got to come out of the overflow. Your ability to have successful and healthy and and godly relationships is always going to be a matter of the overflow of the relationship that you have with the Father. If, If this relationship isn't going right, none of these relationships are ever going to prosper. They won't. They will not. And let me tell you something. This is important. Because every one of us has experienced the misery of failed relationships. Every one of us is carrying scars. Every one of us is carrying residue. Every one of us is carrying memories, hurts, disappointments. And they're always traced back to a breakdown in a relationship. Jesus says, Love God with all you are. Love Him above all else. Desire His presence more than anything in this life. Be diligent to study His Word. Get to know the voice of His Spirit. Only when we love Him with all our heart and mind, and with all our soul, our soul, with all our strength, are we ready for godly relationships. I pray that I've been able to successfully transfer this over to you. That this Bottom line, this fundamental building block has got to be the thing that we pursue more than anything. Otherwise, we will have spent this life useless to other people. It all starts with knowing God. I pray that you do. I pray that you take this serious. I pray that you'll continue over these next few weeks to study along with us as we continue in this series, Real, Relate, Real Relationships. I love that title, Real Relationships. How many of you have done with phony, fake relationships? Come on, let me hear from you, let me hear from you, let me hear from you. Amen? We're gonna learn. A few weeks from now, we're gonna be better in this area. Amen? Amen, Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word.